Another inflation report comes in hot. What do the experts have to say? We cover the biggest analyst calls of the day alongside some post-CPI Fed commentary. What is the future for U.S. oil output and some big-time institutions jump in on a stable coin firm? This is the Running With The Money Briefing. Let's get into it. and welcome to another episode of the Running With The Money Briefing powered by Pounding The Table. I'm your host, Luke Denae, and let's get right into what in the world the markets closed at today. Dow Jones closing down 87, NASDAQ down 40, and the S&P 500 down 15. Now, this morning, we are way up. You saw the NASDAQ up nearly 250 points, but throughout the day, that rally quickly faded on the back of that big-time CPI report that dropped this morning, 8.30 a.m. Now, yesterday, we did say that this was going to cause a lot of volatility regardless of the number, and it sure did. There was a sizable gap up in the market this morning during the pre-market after those initial numbers were released, and then throughout the day, as investors started to digest those inflationary numbers, is when you really started to see the market move to the downside. And then just about noon, we had some commentary out of a Fed member on basically their plan going forward and, of course, inflation, which could have spooked the market even a bit more. So we're going to get right into that as we speak. Now, shifting into the biggest headline of the day, it was, of course, this CPI data, the Consumer Price Index. Now, according to this latest report, that jumped 8.5% year over year for the month of March. Now, those are the highest levels of inflation that we have seen since the early days of the Reagan administration. And we're going to get into relating this to historic levels here in a few minutes, but I want to get through to the rest of the numbers. Now, if you compare that headline 8.5% jump to the expected Dow Jones estimate of 8.4%, yes, it came in hot. But if we shift into core CPI, which excludes food and energy due to their pricing volatility, we also see that that increased 6.5% on a 12-month basis, but that was in line with the expectation. Now, let's dumb this down to month over month. That core inflation metric, that core CPI, only rose 0.3% month to month, and that is much less than the 0.5% estimate. So really, these numbers, not outlandishly above expectations, but definitely still very hot. Now, once again, reflecting this back on historic levels, these are the highest price increases that we have seen since all the way back to those stagflationary times of the late 1970s and early 1980s. Also, you take a look, this March headline reading was the highest since December of 1981, and then the core inflation reading was the hottest since August of 1982. So these numbers are definitely historically relevant. We're hitting record levels of inflation here, and this was definitely a very hot read. Now, digging even further into some of this data, you saw food rising 1% for the month, 8.8% year over year. You saw energy up 11% for the month, including those gasoline prices popping 18.3% for the month alone. Holy smokes, and we know that energy has been drastically moving to the upside. But something that actually 
showed some hope to some investors and at the same time struck a little fear into others is these used car and truck prices declining 3.8% for the month. Now, those prices are still up 35.3% on the year, but still down 3.8% for the month. And that was big. Now, what do I mean by this is striking some fear into investors? Well, investors are fearing the fact that you're starting to see key elements of the CPI, such as car and truck prices, used car and truck prices to be specific, starting to fall off could be signaling that economic growth and economic production is starting to slow down as well. And that maybe those cyclical names that everyone has been saying are fantastic for the past, say, 12 months, aren't going to be as fantastic going ahead and that this could be an early warning sign of a slowdown. So definitely different views on this. Now, the other side of this, you know, there are ones who are hopeful are saying that that decline isn't all too bad. In fact, that's a net positive. It's starting to show that some of this inflation is starting to be digested out of the system. So you have to pay attention to this. But we have experts all around the talk inflation, and that is exactly why I want to shift into Jeffrey Gunlatches. He is Double Line Capital CEO, what he has to say about inflation. Now, he believes that inflation may have peaked per this latest report. He goes on to say, quote, I think we are near peak inflation. Inflation is peaking because the base effects are going to be somewhat favorable. We had some pretty month over month prints in the middle of 2021 that I don't think is going to recur. We've probably peaked, but it's going to be sticky and it's going to be frustratingly elevated. And he said this in an interview with CNBC's Bob Bassani. Now, he went on to talk about the Fed and basically his belief that the Federal Reserve is failing to battle inflation. He went on to say, quote, it's almost laughable that the Fed is still talking about 2%. Wage inflation is real. Everybody knows it. Now, where does he recommend you put your capital if inflation is truly peaking here? He went on to say and recommend that investors should short cyclical stocks and start buying defensive names such as possibly consumer staples for the rest of this year. And that was an interesting take from Mr. Jeffrey Gunlatch, but we also got commentary per Jeremy Siegel on inflation as well. Now, the very well-known Wharton finance professor went on to say, quote, in reference to the Fed, I think the Fed has to continue at least 50 basis point hikes for a number of meetings. The Fed really has to get above 3%, 3.5% if it wants to slow inflation, which I think is moving through the system. Now, he also said that He believes we will continue to see elevated inflation, quote, for many months to come. He also said in relation to market performance with the consideration of heavy inflation, he said, quote, what do we see? Exactly what have we seen? A very choppy market and a rotation, which I think will continue towards those stocks that have more near-term cash flows. Now, He also went on to say, in relation to growth-oriented areas of the market, quote, I am not ready to say that, you know. Technology is off to the races. Although, there's a lot of tech stocks that are, you know, selling for fairly reasonable 19, 20 times earnings. Certainly, they're fine. But any of the anything more than that, I still think is going to be disadvantaged in the sort of market. So he believes that those super high multiple names probably aren't still going to do all too well going forward for the months to come, given the elevated inflation levels and Fed actions that they are going to need to take. 
But at the end of the day, he believes really that quality tech that aren't at extremely elevated multiples, you could probably start to get into. So that was an interesting take on inflation by Mr. Jeremy Siegel. Now, shifting into the biggest analyst calls of the day, we had City initiating Chipotle as a buy. The firm went on to say, quote, and once euphoric reopening Beating frenzy on restaurant stocks is now a purge brought on by supply chain disruptions, labor shortages, and most recently, multi-decade high input inflation. Amidst this dislocation, there are opportunities for investors to gobble up category leaders with idiosyncratic drivers trading at attractive valuations. So, City initiating Chipotle as a buy, liking the name, given the downside it has experienced. City also making a downgrade of Starbucks to neutral from buy today. Firming on the say quote, we do not think the street is accurately modeling the impact of losing the Russia business at MCD and for SBUX, Starbucks. The recent management transition as well as U.S. labor shifts pose unknown risk to the out-year numbers, keeping us on the sidelines. So, City sees murky waters ahead for Starbucks, downgrading the name to neutral from buy. Bernstein today reiterating Boeing as outperformed. The firm went on to say, quote, but a recession has never been good for commercial aero and is the key risk to watch. We still see COVID recovery as most important to drive demand and stock upside. It remains well underway despite China issues. Max deliveries are up in March, even without China recovery, as Max-oriented airlines have taken very few deliveries so far because of the grounding and pandemic. So, Bernstein, liking Boeing, believe that they have Positive catalyst ahead, specifically the recovery of travel and air travel specifically. But at the same time, they are saying that a major risk is, of course, a recession. Now, Morgan Stanley reiterating Microsoft is overweight today. The firm went on to say, quote, leadership across the key growth categories and CIOs indications of stable enterprise IT spending into 2022 should help offset impacts of a volatile macro environment. Morgan Stanley liking Microsoft, reiterating it as overweight. We also had Mizuo reiterating Coinbase as neutral. Today, the firm went on to say, quote, the rapid ascent of competing exchanges like crypto.com, as well as others, make us increasingly worried about looming retail pricing pressure and the long-term sustainability of Coinbase's business model. So, Mizuo not counting out Coinbase, but citing competition and the long-term stability of their business model. Also, Goldman Sachs upgrading CrowdStrike to buy from neutral today. The firm went on to say, quote, we continue to view CrowdStrike as a well-positioned in the sweet spot of demand ahead of accelerating deterioration of the threat environment, with Endpoint expected to remain a top CIO priority within security. Goldman Sachs upgrading CrowdStrike to buy from neutral. Today, Cohen reiterating Netflix as outperform as well. The firm went on to say, quote, our U.S. survey suggests that Netflix still holds a wide lead in living room TV, even as TikTok gains mobile video viewing share. We also slightly lowered first quarter ARPU to reflect a stronger USD. We slightly reduced our sub forecast. In turn, our price target goes to $590 from $600. 
And then to round out the biggest intel calls of the day, Bank of America reiterating NVIDIA as a top pick. The firm went on to say, quote, we believe the recent weakness in NVIDIA is overdone with the stock now down 26% year to date compared to the S&P 500 down 7%, including a sharp drop in just the last week. Bank of America reiterating NVIDIA as a top pick, citing that quick and sharp downside. Now, shifting into this Fed commentary post CPI, today we heard from Federal Reserve Governor Lael Bernard this afternoon, and she went on to basically talk about what the Fed is going to do moving forward in their plan to halt inflation. Now, in relation to halting inflation or slowing inflation, she said, quote, We are doing that by tightening monetary policy methodically, and it is through a series of interest rate increases, as well as beginning that balance sheet runoff. Now, in relation to that balance sheet runoff and when it was going to be, she said, quote, it could be as soon as May, which would lead to reductions in that balance sheet starting in June. That is exactly what she said on, quote, in an interview that was live streamed at a Wall Street Journal Jobs Summit. Now, she continued on policy going on to say, quote, in terms of exactly what the right pace of that set of increases in the policy rate from meeting to meeting, I don't really want to focus on that. But I would just say the combined effect will bring the policy stance to a more neutral posture expeditiously later this year. So she continues to be quite hawkish when it comes to the actions that the Federal Reserve is going to take to slow this inflation. Now, she went on to talk about the policy effects on inflation itself and what she believes their actual policy decisions are going to create going forward. She went on to say, quote, I do expect the combined effect of moving the policy rate to a more neutral level in commencing balance sheet reduction to have the effect of bringing inflation down, seeing some moderation in demand while the supply side catches up. There is quite a bit of capacity for labor demand to moderate among businesses by actually reducing job openings without necessitating high levels of layoffs. So she is saying that she does indeed believe that the aggressive actions the Federal Reserve is planning on taking are going to drastically slow this inflation without, in essence, harming the economy all too badly. And then finally, she did indeed note directly on the CPI read that dropped this morning, she went on to say, quote, it's notable that core goods, which has been the source of an outsized amount of core inflationary pressure, moderated more than I had anticipated. It's very welcome to see the moderation in this category, and I will be looking to see whether we continue to see moderation in the months ahead. So she saw that core CPI and some moderation in those numbers as a net positive, but definitely something she is going to keep her eye on. Now, shifting into a report out of the Energy Information Administration on U.S. crude output. What in the world is going on with it? Well, the EIA is now expecting some slightly lower U.S. crude output. Yes, you heard me correctly, slightly lower. So production in 2022 per the EIA in Bloomberg is now expected to average roughly 12.01 million barrels per day, 
which is down from the previous estimate of 12.03 million barrels per day. Now, looking ahead into 2023, the EIA is also expecting production to actually rise by 940,000 barrels to an average of 12.95 million, and that is compared to the previous forecast of an increase by 960,000 barrels per day. So definitely in 2023, not positive, but for the rest of 2022, the EIA expecting a bit less on the crude output front from the United States. And then finally, BlackRock, Fidelity, and some other big-time institutions, some old-school financial institutions, jumping in to back a stable coin firm. So, Circle Internet Financial, who is the issuer of USD coin, and it's the second-largest stable coin, so that USD coin, second-largest stable coin out there, well, guess what? That firm landed $400 million in funding from a group that includes Fidelity Management and research alongside BlackRock. Yes, that's right. So some major Wall Street firms, some big-time institutions jumping in to back a stablecoin firm. I mean, if this isn't an example of further adoption within the cryptocurrency space, I don't know what you're thinking. Now, also, here's something to note. BlackRock also entered into an even broader partnership with Circle that is including the exploring of capital market applications for USD coins. So that is big. BlackRock getting even more involved. Now, we did get commentary out of Circle Internet Financial's chief executive officer, per Bloomberg, Jeremy Allaire. He goes on to say, quote, dollar digital currencies like USDC are fueling a global economic transformation. It's particularly gratifying to add BlackRock as a strategic investor in the company. We look forward to developing our partnerships. Some big news on a BlackRock, Fidelity, and a few other institutions. But that is the show for today. I thank you all for listening to another episode of the Running With The Money Briefing powered by Pond in the Table. And by the way, go give my boys and my fellow team members and my friends over at Pond in the Table a listen at Pond in the Table anywhere you listen to podcasts, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts also. Please go and give me and my team a follow at Running With The Money anywhere on social media, Facebook, Instagram. Follow me on Twitter at Luke Donay. And if you want something looked into, a little research on a particular company, we'll try our best to get it done. Just drop a comment on any of our posts, including mine. Until the next one, easily profit trade on, and I will see you tomorrow.